when there was, a, there was a house behind us being built a number of years ago, and I noticed that the builder would always turn up with his, in a van with a, full of all these different tools. And he would use each one of the tools, and he knew how to use them, nail gun and saws and hammers and screwdrivers and chisels, everything. But imagine if he actually <coughs> decided, well, I'm, I'm, I refuse to use a nail gun or a, or a saw or a chisel or some of those things. He wouldn't be able to do a very good job in building the house. God has given us all the tools we need to build our lives and to win great victories and to be all God's called us to be. But sometimes we decide there's a few tools we do not want to use or that we will not use. And today I want to talk about one of those most powerful of all tools. It's been used by Bible greats, men and women through history, throughout Scripture. And of course, you know, I'm talking about prayer and fasting. I expected about 20 people to jump to their feet and say, come on, pastor, preach it for us. But okay, I'll wait for that. Maybe a bit later on, someone might do that. Okay. So I just want to talk about there's few obstacles that can withstand prayer and fasting. Very few. Very, very few. And we need from time to time to get this tool out of the toolbox. We may not want to get it out. We may hate getting it out. But we need to get it out. See, what happens in life, every so often you come to a desperate situation. Anyone know what I'm talking about? When things are like not as good as they should be. And you really want something to happen in your life. You need a breakthrough and you've been crying out to God and you've been, you know, weeping and crying and all the rest of it. But friends, it's in those times, church history and scripture tells us that the weapon to pull out is prayer and fasting. Now these next 10 days that we're going to do may just be what you need. They may be what's going to cause that great breakthrough in your life that you may have been waiting for for decades See, with prayer and fasting, what happens is you position yourself before God for great blessing. Thank you for that excited response. Okay, we'll keep going. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to back off this message, church. All right, remember when the decree had gone out and they're going to kill all the Jews, wipe out the nation? Maybe you feel like you're about to be wiped out. Your family's about to be wiped out. Your relationships. Your marriage, your health, what are you going to do? So Esther calls them to three days prayer and fasting. And as a result of that three days, an entire nation is saved. How good is that? How many, how many of you reckon three, three days of prayer and fasting, I could actually save a nation? Who reckons that would be worth doing? Yeah. Hey, wouldn't it, eh? Hey? It would. But, you know, majority would still say, nah, I'm not going to do it. We're, we're an interesting creation, aren't we? We really are. God gives us perfect keys, and we just say, nah, sorry, God. I'd rather struggle for the next 40 years than do three days of prayer and fasting, or 10 days, or whatever. My dad was uh, given three weeks to live, 59 years of age, and uh, unsaved, no hope. I turned to prayer and fasting. And God saved him. And today, he is now in heaven. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I've done it so many times. And I actually hate fasting. 
more than anything else because the thing I hate about it is that it works. I really wish that it would not work, but it actually does. If you need a breakthrough, then these next 10 days and these half nights of prayer could be just the medicine the doctor has ordered for you. Two prophetic words this year. Your prayers determine your future. And the many blessings God's got for your life will only come as you lift or increase your prayer life. And with that, an open heaven. And these 10 days of prayer and fasting, this half night of prayer, it's all to help us fulfill these two prophetic words. So here's a question I want to ask you. What happens if you remove an important pillar that supports a structure? What's going to happen? Well, we all know the danger is the structure is going to collapse. So one of the most important pillars, according to this Bible, of Christianity is fasting. It's the church is built on prayer and fasting. If you remove that pillar, which has been removed in most parts of Christendom in the Western world at least, the structure, the church, really begins to struggle. How many of you think that the church of the West is struggling? Here is a perfect reason why. Not the only reason, but a major reason why. Because we've decided we will not take that tool out of the toolbox. We will neglect it. We will do fine just without it. We're actually, unfortunately, not doing that well. See, when we remove this pillar, we're in danger of not experiencing the walk with God and the victories God has for us. See, friends, there's nothing wrong with the Christian faith. It delivers. The issue is, will we follow the guidelines of how to make it actually work? The basic struggle we have with fasting is that we love our food. How many of you love food? Give us a wait. It's the most hands I've ever seen go up in this place. And some of you are feeling hungry right now simply because I mentioned fasting. You're craving, you know, you're just seeing cream donuts all in front of you and apple pies and meat pies and all the rest of it. And, you know, your body is screaming in terror. And you say, please, not me. Pastor, you can't do this to me. Leave me alone. I knew I shouldn't have come to church this morning. I can hear it. I mean, they're screaming at me. Leave us alone. But God wants us to enjoy our food. He does. Why else would he have created chicken curry? He wants us to enjoy our food. He does. But it truly, truly amazes me, church. I'm just sharing my heart. Is that okay if I share my heart? It amazes me. It astounds me. It shocks me that a practice so frequently mentioned in Scripture, taught by Jesus, practiced by heroes of faith for centuries, can suddenly just drop off the radar. Is that a work of the devil or what? He grabs our most potent weapon and says, you ain't going to touch this one. I'm going to hide it out in the background. Man, he is so clever. Those who practice regular fasting, Moses, David, Elijah, Esther, Daniel, Anna, Paul, Jesus, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, Finney, Tark Barner, Steve Bryant, Alison Shaw, 
I can't quote too many others because I'm not sure. <laughs> There's still some of us doing it today. Century 21. Somebody's got to carry the flame. Someone's got to keep it alight. Someone's got to say, I'm not going to let this go. Someone's got to say, I'm after this nation. And prayer and fasting changes a nation. The Didac is a first or second century document outside the New Testament, which actually tells us how the church functioned back in the early days, the early church. And the document actually prescribes two days of fasting per week, Wednesday and Friday. And for early Christians, this was a part of their regular faith. Two days. John Wesley thought they must have been smart back in the early church. They turned the world upside down. I'm going I'm to revive this practice. So he urged the Methodists to fast Wednesday and Friday. And anyone who refused to do it could not be ordained into the ministry of the Methodists. Having revived two days of prayer and fasting, revival broke out that swept across the nation and nations of the world because one man decided to get out of the toolbox prayer and fasting and see the damage it could do to the powers of darkness. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. What does Jesus tell us about fasting? You might say, Pastor, I'm not interested in what you've got to say. Tell me what Jesus said. I'm so pleased you asked. Matthew 6 verse 3 says, But when you do a charitable deed or when you give, that's what it's actually talking about. Verse 6 says, When you pray... And uh, it goes on from there. And then verse 16 says, Moreover, read it with me, when you fast. When, Jesus said, when you fast. He didn't say, if you fast. So Jesus expects every Christian to spend time in prayer and fasting, unless there's medical reasons not to do so. Do you know that fasting is actually mentioned one-third as often as prayer. Prayer is mentioned a lot. One-third as often is a massive amount of teaching in the Scriptures on fasting. And you'll find whenever trouble was arising, they would turn to fasting over and over and over again, and it would bring a victory and an answer from God. John Wesley, his brother Charles, and also George Whitfield, they regularly fasted and prayed as students in 17. 32. They were mocked by other students. They were called the Holy Club. And, but the rest is history as they shook the world for Jesus Christ. I say, God, give us more holy clubs. Give us more young men, young women, older men, older women who will pray and fast and shake our nation for Jesus Christ. Give us more holy clubs. The Younger's Bible Dictionary says that fast originally in the Old Testament in the Hebrew actually meant to cover one's mouth with one's hand. And when you do that, it means it prevents the intake of food. Some of you need to, for the next 10 days, walk around like this. <laughs> or maybe put a few stitches in there and sew it up so you, you know, maybe worth it to get the victory you need. Seriously, it just may be worth it. Do it. And, uh, but also it stops the outflow of words. Let you listen to God. 
And often while fasting, you'll get a rhema from God. And it'll be a key to your future. Let me give you quickly some motivation, motivations to fasting because I'm getting a bit slow here on this one. Number one, increased spirit power and breakthrough. Listen to this. April 25th, 1985, 5,000 plus students went up Liberty Mountain and fasted for one day and prayed for the healing of Vernon Brewer, who was dean of students. He was loved by the students. Vernon had cancer and had given six months to live. When I searched out this illustration, 12 years later, he was still alive and well because a group of people thought, we are going to pray and fast and bash this demon in the head in Jesus' name. Let's go to Luke in chapter 4. Are you doing all right? <laughs> Luke chapter 4. Verse 1, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit. I'll get back on the pick up on that in a moment. Led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Hello? What? Holy Spirit, you lead us into wilderness time? Really? Wow, that's amazing. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterwards, when they had ended, he was hungry. Verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. So he started filled with the Spirit. After fasting, he returns in the power of the Spirit. See, before beginning his public ministry, Jesus, before healing anyone, before preaching his first sermon, Jesus fasted and prayed for 40 days, and he established a model for everyone who wants to make an impact for God. It's going to take some prayer and fasting. If you want to experience more of God's power in your life, your business, your career, your family, your ministry, add times of prayer and fasting. I promise you, it will make a difference. God's Word cannot lie. It will make a difference. Now, some of our youth leaders... I don't know how many of them, but they did at least three days of prayer and fasting for their camp. Isn't that exciting? When young people of their own initiative start to pray and fast. And so what happened? Of course, I said to them, I said, God's going to move at your camp because I've, I've seen this happen before. And of course, God moved at that camp in a very powerful way. Lives were impacted and changed. Tonight, you're going to taste something of what God did in that youth camp. I'm, I'm really excited to hear because I see that God is answering our second prophetic word. The heavens are beginning to open. In fact, I was down at uh, Countdown and... Where is it? In New Lynn, just on, on uh, Friday night, uh, getting my chicken curry <coughs> fix. And uh, they have a really good one down there. So, um, but anyway, uh, Adrian's doing some shopping and countdown. So I just sat outside in one of those chairs, just got out my phone and uh, got, got, got into my Bible and just started reading my, my Bible for a moment. And honestly, just the presence of God, just like heaven kind of and access to heaven, and just felt the Lord speaking to me, and just felt his presence there, and I thought, boy, God, you really are beginning to open that up just that little bit more. As we pray, it's going to get wider and wider and wider, and hopefully a full outbreak of God's Spirit upon us. So Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just lead you into times of blessing. He will at times lead you into the wilderness. You see, Jesus' wilderness time 
was planned by God just as much as his birth, his death, and his resurrection. They were all planned. So God is in all our trials. We are not out of the will of God. The devil's not running your life. God is. Amen? He's, he's in charge. He's still on the throne. He's not moved. And he knows exactly what's going on in your life. And today he's giving you a key of one way to get through it into a place of greater victory. Now, most Christians want a nice, mild relationship with God. Not too hot, not too cold. But if you want to make a difference, you need times in the wilderness with prayer and fasting. And so the Holy Spirit allows these times because He's preparing you for greater things. He's preparing you for greater destiny. He's preparing you for greater impact. And sometimes He's got to get us into a wilderness so we'll pray and fast, access this tool from heaven and break through in the Spirit and see amazing things happen. You see, God's allowing a wilderness in this nation and He's asking us, is there someone, somewhere, is there a church in this nation that will rise up and pray and fast and say, devil, get out of this land. Jesus, heal our nation. Is there anyone anywhere that will stand up and be counted? You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. This is our time. This is our day. This is our nation. And we're not going to let the devil run it over. We will stand up and fight. We'll fight them in the beaches. We'll fight them in the streets. We'll do anything. We will never, never, never give up. God help us. You see, you get strong, not in the good times, but in the wilderness. That's when you get some steel in your spirit, some muscle in your walk with God. It happens in the wilderness. You need it. <clears throat> David Yongi Cho built this huge church. Staff so believed in the power of prayer and fasting, they really counseled anyone. Someone came to them with a problem, they said, prayer mountain. Three days prayer and fasting. <clears throat> Person would go off. If they still returned, let's say, prayer mountain. Ten days prayer and fasting. If they still came back, they'd send it back up again. Prayer mountain, 21 days prayer and fasting. If anyone finally still came back, that's say 40 days prayer and fasting. You see, they, could, they, did, they believed that it was virtually impossible for someone to pray and fast like that and not find the victory. That's how much they believed in it, friends. <clears throat> Church of seven, 800,000 people. Some victories will only be won or won't be won until someone prays and fasts. Derek Prince, that great, great teacher of the gospel, or teacher of the word of God, this is what he said. He says, some parts, listen to this, of God's will for us will never be attained without prayer and fasting. Yeah. Now, if that is true, 
If that is true, that means if we're going to fulfill all the will of God, all of it, and stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, there's got to be some prayer and fasting. (laughs) The devil attacked Jesus when the fast was almost over, if you look through Luke chapter 4. And the devil attacks us just before we're about to win great victories. Often when we're one step from the victory, he'll intensify his attack with great ferocity. He wants you to quit. But I'm saying, don't quit. Never quit on God. Don't even quit with fasting. The devil's going to say, nothing's happening. But if you keep pressing on, you will reap. If you grow not weary in due time, you will reap, the Bible says. Number two, fasting dethrones the appetites of the flesh. Fasting feeds your spirit, man. And strengthens him and starves your flesh. It weakens the flesh and the lusts of the flesh. Philippians 3.19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, whose glory is to their shame, who mind earthly things. See, the bellies are their God. Fasting dethrones this idol. The Bible says, bring your body into subjection and present it a living sacrifice. I want you to think of fasting this way. Every meal you give up, every meal is forever a memorial before the throne of God. Just think about that. Every meal you let go is like a sweet-smelling savor forever before the throne of God. A living sacrifice before God forever. See, we get tested in the area of the flesh. There's nothing good in the flesh. You know that, friends. I'll tell you this. If somewhere along the line people don't deal with the flesh, it can take them to hell. That's how powerful it is, friends. And there's got to come a time in your life and mine where we make a decision that the flesh is no longer, is not going to rule and run our lives. And prayer and fasting will help you to find that victory. You can be sure of this, when you decide to fast the next day, someone's going to put a cream donut on your office desk in the next morning. It's, it's going to happen. You know, the, 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 the boss is going to take everyone out for a free lunch. Someone's going to, you know, have a, a lunch, throw on a special birthday uh, feed for all the staff, and there'll be fried chicken and pizza and pastries and apple pie and barbecued curried chicken chops and all that sort of stuff. Or it's, it's, it's all going to be lamb chops or chicken chops, any chops, any other, whatever, as long as it's curried, it doesn't matter. And so it's going to happen. Honestly, every temptation is going to come your way. Number three, to successfully go in a new direction and win a major battle. Ezra 8, 21, I proclaimed a fast there at River Ahava that we might afflict ourselves before our God and seek of him a right way for us and our little ones and all our substance. Before a treacherous journey... They prayed and fasted, saying, we can't go into this new thing without prayer and fasting. You're going in a new venture? You're going to try something fresh, new? Friends, prayer and fasting is a <clears throat> real key. In Judges 20, the Israelites are going to battle to take revenge on the Benjamites. So let's go to Judges 20. I just want to show you a, a few scriptures. They're going to battle, and watch what happens in verse 18. Children of Israel rose and went up to the house of God to inquire of the Lord. They said, which of us shall go up first? And he said, uh, Judah shall go up first. Verse 21, the children of Israel came out to Gibeon. On that day, cut down to the ground 22,000 men of the Israelites. 
Verse 24. So the children of Israel approached the children of Benjamin the second day, went out against them the second day, and were cut down to the ground 18,000 more of the children of Israel. All these drew the sword. Now listen. This is interesting. <clears throat> so the children of Israel are doing exactly what God says. First round they lose 18,000. Then they lose 22,000. 